Good morning. We are in a sermon series called All I Want for Christmas. Um, and I, I want to be honest with you, just a leveling moment. This is a hard sermon for me to preach. This is a hard sermon series for me to preach in. Um, see, I, I don't super love holidays. Oh, everybody. <gasps> what? <laughs> I know. I am admitting to you as one of your pastors that I, I don't super love the Christmas holiday. You know, I love the birth of Christ. I love the amazing miracles that happen. But man, holidays are a lot of pressure. Right? Whether it's finding just the right gift for just the right person and making sure that it's under the tree at just the right time, or cooking a meal, or maybe for some of you, multiple meals as different family members come at different times. It's continual shopping, shopping and shopping and shopping and spending and spending. Holidays are hard. And maybe even those of you who love Christmas this morning can join me in just like a, a deep sigh. <laughs> because man, it can be stressful. If I had to relate myself to a Christmas movie character, I would tell you honestly that I'm the Grinch. Um, that I'm the Grinch probably before his heart grows four sizes too big <laughs> when it comes to Christmas. You know, I'm kind of a bah humbug kind of person. I would just as soon sit at home and eat blue box mac and cheese than go, <laughs> go to my grandparents' house for a Christmas ham. Um, <laughs> maybe some of you are like that too. Um, no, I, hear, I see a lot of head shaking. No. <laughs> Maybe some of you can relate to me then. Maybe not all of you, but some of you. Oh, one hand in the back. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I was, I was talking with my dad at Thanksgiving, though, and I realized something, and it's, it's not a very nice something to realize, but I'm going to share it with you. I think part of the reason that I don't really love Christmas is because when my grandma passed away, my Christmas traditions passed away with her. See, my family, uh, my dad's side of the family, there are some Christmas traditions, but not any that I'm really included in as an adult kid, you know, <laughs> an adult kid with adult parents. Um, but my grandma, man, she loved Christmas. She loved Christmas. If it could fit into a red or a green color scheme, she was all about it. She loved the gifts. She loved the gift giving. She loved the decorating, the Christmas lights, all of it. She was she was Mrs. Christmas, I would say, along with Val. <laughs> along with Val Carr, my grandma Jean. She just loved Christmas. And while I've never really loved Christmas, I've always loved my grandma. And so every single season, when the holidays started to come around, I would be her Christmas elf. I would suck it up, I'd wear the outfits, and I would help her with all of her cookies. This lady had me decorate her house the day after Thanksgiving, dress it all up in Christmas lights and with the tree, everything to the nines, the nativity scene out front the day after Christmas, and she wouldn't let me take it down till mid-February, sometimes even March. <laughs> but she loved Christmas, and by, toward the end of her life, we were making at one time, in one setting, 16 batches of peanut brittle. 16 batches. Have you ever made peanut brittle? It is tough work. And man, she wore the scars to prove how much she loved Christmas. Because that candy is nasty. When it gets on you, it's nasty. Right? She loved 
Christmas. And so this year is hard for me. This is the second year that I have without my grandma. And that stinks. That hurts. And so when I see a sermon series titled All I Want for Christmas, it gives me pause. There are many things that I could use to fill in the blank there that I'm not sure could be answered. That can't be wrapped up and given under a Christmas tree. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're sitting here too and you just can't seem to muster the joy this year. It just doesn't seem like Christmas is before. Maybe this year is hard. Maybe it was like that last year too. And maybe this year you feel reduced. Man, I can't muster the joy and so I feel less than. I can't quite tap into that Christmas spirit that I used to have and I just don't feel as human as other people. I am burdened, I am troubled, and I just don't feel like other people feel about Christmas this year. And so maybe for you, when you hear that phrase, that sermon series title, All I Want for Christmas, the first thing that comes to your mind is to be human again. All I want for Christmas is a little bit of joy again. All I want for Christmas is a little bit of hope restored again. All I want for Christmas is to be human again. And man, during this season, it can be so difficult to reconcile these two things. It can be so difficult to reconcile the absolute truth and joy that is present in the Christmas story because it's there. Because our Christ was born. Our Savior was born. And that is such an incredible miracle. And it can be hard. It can be hard to feel down in the Christmas season. When you feel down in the Christmas season, it's difficult for other people to understand. It can be difficult to explain. I'm not sure why the Christmas lights just aren't making my heart flutter this year. And I think sometimes it's easier for us to just ignore how we're feeling in those moments than it is to just admit that. You know, I'm just not feeling Christmas this year. I'm just not feeling the holidays. And I'll tell you what, it's easier to write sermons like that too. It's way easier to write sermons about shepherds and about the joy of Christmas than it is to acknowledge the elephant in the room that not all of us are feeling that same joy. But I didn't write a sermon like that. We're not going to talk about the shepherds today. We're not going to talk about the angel and the story of Mary today. We're going to talk about what it means to have our humanity restored. So this morning, if you are just not feeling the cheer, this sermon is for you. And it's going to feel at first like we're jumping around, but but stick with me because we will come full circle and hopefully land in a place that makes sense to you this morning. We're going to start in John chapter 1. It's a weird place to start for a Christmas sermon, right? (laughs) John chapter 1, but I'm sure that you've heard this passage. I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. See, when we talk about this subject, all I want for Christmas is to be human again, we kind of have to take a step back. What does that mean, to be human? What does that look like? See, there are all kinds of idioms and sciences and whatever dedicated to explaining exactly why it is that we are called man. Right? One of those is, is the phrase, to err is human. How many of you have heard that? Yeah, we've all heard that idiom. It's very popular. To err is human. But it takes just a very brief reality check for us to undo the wisdom that is here, for us to undo the supposed truth. Because how many of you have pets? Yeah. See, I have a little dog at home. His name is Bosco, and I love him dearly. I love him so much. He is so sweet and cuddly and not the smartest (laughs) dog in the world. And so, you know, sometimes he'll do really silly things, just like he'll make mistakes, (laughs) He will err, like when he's judging the distance from one couch to the other and he gets it wrong. (laughs) You know, when he jumps and he's flying for his life and he lands face first, smacks the other couch, you know? It's it's kind of funny. He's never really hurt himself that bad. But but just in that simple phrase, to err is human, that can't be true, right? Because that would make my dog human. Right? So simple litmus test, it doesn't work. That can't be what being human is. To err is human. No, that's garbage. We have to throw that one out. What about the phrase, hope springs eternal in the human breast? Have you heard that one before? Or even just the first part, hope springs eternal? Yeah, see, that comes from a poet named Alexander Pope. And there is such beauty in what he's saying here. Because of all creatures, man does have an ability to find hope in situations that otherwise seem hopeless. So he's, he's almost right. But what about those of us who can't seem to find the hope anymore? What about those of us who have been so down for so long that we can't muster it in ourselves? Does that make us less human? No. No. And so this one has to go too. This cannot be what being human is defined as hope springing eternal in the human breast. Man, it sounds nice. And I wish that that could be it. I wish that we could go home right now. (laughs) But that's not it. Right, and so we have this problem. We have a real problem with defining what it means to be human. See, and theologians weigh in on this, just like poets weigh in on this, just like biologists weigh in on this. You know, and some would say that, well, if it's not one of these idioms, then it's, it's this, that we were born in the genus human, and so we are human. That, that's maybe half true, right? But the problem with that statement is that these are, it's often said by the people who also believe that we're descended from monkeys. So, you know, so to be human is to be a little more than monkey, <laughs> a little less than God, a little more than monkey, Right, so that, that doesn't work either, does it? No, you know, because it's only, it's only about half right at best. Right, or, or what about um, the idea that, hold on one second, 
No, that was it. Monkeys. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so here's our problem. We can't define who we are as human because it seems that any less than a biblical definition of human doesn't capture it. It doesn't put us where we need to be to understand how this year, this Christmas, I can start to feel human again. Here's the problem. We have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten what it means to be human. We have forgotten who we are. And that's where this scripture comes in. And I'm going to read it to you again. First John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. We've heard this before. It's very poetically beautiful as a passage, and we like to dwell on that. We like to look at it for its beauty, and we hold it in our hands and we marvel at these words that John has written, and then we skip to the next part. Because this is written by John the Baptist. So John, the prophet who paved the way for Jesus' earthly ministry. John, the cricket eater. You know, John, Jesus' cousin. Right after this passage begins Jesus' ministry. Right after this very first passage in John, we see Jesus baptized. And we skip over this. We say, oh, that's beautiful. Those are such beautiful words. We skip over this in favor of what comes next. And what comes next is incredible. Do not get me wrong. The baptism of Christ, his earthly ministry, is beautiful. But when we skip over this passage and the theological depth that is here, we miss something. We miss something incredibly important. See, John dives further into this, he explains that all things were made on that day through the word, through the word of God. And this passage harkens back to the very first story that we have of God in the beginning. Genesis. It's the creation story. He's reminding us that what God is doing here is a new work, just like it was on that day in Genesis, that first day that God began creating. And he says, Nothing was made without the person that I'm about to baptize. See, he was present on that day. That's what this passage means. In the beginning was the word of God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Nothing was created without this man that is about to begin his earthly ministry. John is calling us back to look at Genesis, to look at the beginning, because it's in the beginning that we first see Jesus. And sometimes we don't even realize that. See, while God was creating the universe and life as we know it, he was speaking earth into motion. By the power of his words, the land was separated from the sea. And I love talking about this because it's beautiful. What a beautiful and a powerful image that the, the earth so recognized the Lord's voice that all he had to do was speak, and it was so. 
that all he had to do was say, let there be light, and there was light. What power in those words and in that voice. And then on the sixth day, we see something unexpected happen. Turn with me to Genesis 2. And I'm going to start in verse 5. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. See, all of creation up to this point had been ushered into existence by a tone of voice, had been ushered into existence by the word of God. And so the first time that we see God stoop down in creation, get his hands dirty, is the creation of man. It's almost like this means something more. This, this creation is different. And he scoops that earth into shape. And not only that, the God of the universe who only needs to speak and the earth responds, he puts his mouth on that dirt and he breathes life into the very first lungs of the very first man. That's beautiful. In the beginning. And so what does this have to do with that passage in John? Because it, I could get, you know, how you would connect the two, but now that we're here, I'm, I'm not getting it. Why the two? See, the word was God and all things were created through the word and nothing was created without the word, without Jesus. And so the church father Athanasius phrases it this way. He says, God performed every act of creation through the Son. God performed every act of creation through the Son. And this is important. This is an important piece of information. God formed, performed every act of creation through the Son. See, what John was doing is shedding light on this whole process for us. What John is doing is saying that Jesus, this eternal being, was there at the beginning. That all things were formed through him. And what else do we know about the way that man was formed? We know that man was fashioned after God. We know that we are the only beings who bear his likeness. And so if Jesus was present in the beginning... If he was present in that moment where God's hands touched the earth and his breath sprang a spirit into life, what does that mean? It means that we were formed to be like Jesus. We were formed to be like Jesus. We were fashioned after the God who made us, through whom everything was created, the Word. We were made to look and to live like Christ before we ever knew him. And how often do we get that backward? Like we are human. We think that we came first, that we define what being human means when it has always been something different. That in fact, 
to bear the image of Christ, of God, our creator, that's how we were fashioned. And so when Jesus comes, he is born as himself. I know that seems very, wow, good one, Valerie. But when Jesus comes, he is born as himself, fully human and fully God. Fully human because he is what we were always meant to look like. And it's no wonder that some of us feel less than human this Christmas. That's a lot to process. It's a lot of theological information to digest in your minds here in but a half an hour. But it has some pretty serious practical implications for our lives. Let's dive back in. If this is all true, if this is all true, if everything was created through Christ, if we were formed to live like Jesus, then what does that mean? It means that Jesus is the picture of what it means to be human. Jesus is the picture of what it means to be human. While Jesus was on earth, we weren't teaching him how to be human. And I think sometimes we fall into that trap. I've definitely been there before, that I have to somehow teach God what my existence is like. He doesn't know unless I tell him, God, this, this hurts. But man, if we look at it the opposite, that Jesus is what it means to be fully human, wow. That means that while he was on this earth, he didn't need lessons in anatomy because he formed it, because he knew it means that he didn't need lessons in sensitivity. He didn't need to be told that hurts because he felt it probably more deeply than any of us feel now. It means that he didn't need to be taught what it meant to cry with a brother because he knew. And because our very impulse comes from him, not the other way around. We don't need to teach Jesus what it means to be human. See, while he was on earth, he was teaching us what it meant. So back to Genesis. Right after man is formed by God from the dust, a serpent leads the first people into the first lie of the world. See, if Jesus is what God had envisioned for our lives to look like, if Jesus is God's intention for what humanity was supposed to be, then it makes this first sin that much more offensive. It makes that first sin in the garden that much more painful for the Lord. See, what does the serpent say? He says, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. And so the first people created in the image of a loving God created the first stumbling block to us remembering who we are. Theologian and pastor Steve Deneff says it like this, wanting to become superhuman, we became inhuman. Wanting to become more, we became less. Wanting to be more than human, wanting to be like God, we became less than human. Wanting to be more and thirsting after being like God, we became less like him. Because we were created in the beginning in the image of our Savior. And we shirked that 
from day one. We said, I want to be more. And this leads us to a problem. If Jesus is what it means to be human, then what does it mean to be inhuman? It means sin. It means that that first day when we chose to eat the fruit, when we chose to allow sin to deceive us, we chose to be inhuman. See, Jesus, who man was supposed to look like, was sinless. And so to be inhuman is to sin. If Jesus is the clearest picture of what we have, of what man is supposed to look like, the man, we're a pretty clear picture of what it isn't supposed to be. So if you're feeling left out in the cold this Christmas, if you're feeling lonely and inhuman, this is where things start to get good for you. See, because the birth of Christ is a reconciliation of our humanity. The birth of Jesus is a reconciliation of our humanity. And what do I mean by that? I mean that when Jesus was born, we were gifted a living image of what it means to be our truest selves. When Jesus was born, we were gifted a living image of what it means to be fully human by a man who was fully human and fully God. We were given a holy blessing in the form of our creating creator stepping down into creation to call us home. And in the beginning, God only needed to speak and the world moved. The water, the land, the light, they all knew his voice. And when Jesus is born, we get to hear it too. We get to hear the voice of our father calling us back home. And we get to hear in the man of God, the love that he has for us. We get to witness an incredible sacrifice that we are not deserving of because God chose to live among his people to reconcile us to our humanity, to make us more human. See, if Jesus is the picture of what it means to be human, then we have to stop looking for our worth in any other thing. Jesus is the mirror that we are meant to see our reflection in, not any other thing. No other thing makes us more human than leaning into Jesus. See, the birth of Jesus is a father making a way for his children to come back home. See, in that story, we are the prodigal son and God, the father with open arms. This Christmas without my grandma hurts. Man, it's a real bummer. I think since, since Thanksgiving, I've just been pretty down and I couldn't quite put my finger on it until I had that realization that my traditions were gone. But the fact of the matter is that my grandma helped me to see more than just Christmas lights. Because it wasn't just about decorating and looking nice, it was about that nativity in the front. That was the centerpiece to everything that she did. She had the shepherd's position just so. And she made me make a cradle for Jesus, a manger for him out of sticks. Because that's what it was about. And just like my grandma showed me that there is more to Christmas than the stress, 
There's more to Christmas than the constant working. There's more to Christmas than the shopping till you drop. Jesus shows us that there is more to being human than to simply living. There is more to being human. And so I have two questions for you this morning. Because if you are feeling less than human this morning, you're probably falling into one of these two categories. The first question is this, have you forgotten who you are? Have you forgotten that it's your sin that makes you inhuman, not you? Have you forgotten that your feelings don't make you less, but that actually the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, that he felt the same things that you do? And we can know that because we were fashioned in his likeness. Have you forgotten who you are? If Christmas this year is consumed by making sure that you give the best, the best gifts under the tree, you may forget. And if Christmas this year is overcome by the weight of familial expectation, then you may forget who your father is. See, if Christmas this year is you letting the stress of this season overcome the joy of Christ, then you're not letting Jesus define your humanity. And that's hard. And I don't condemn you or ridicule you for that at all. I'm with you. It can be hard to see the reflection of Christ in a society that is so overcome and overwhelmed by the material. But that's not what the season is meant to be. And if you were overcome by the weight of that this season, then you have to remember that the birth of Christ means that you have a picture of what it means to be the most human. That we have a savior who cried at the loss of his loved friend. We have a savior who died a death for us that we didn't deserve. And that that defines our humanity. That defines our worth. So the first question, have you forgotten who you are? And the second is this. You're not going to like this one. And it's okay. You can be mad at me. But does your life look like Christ? Because if Jesus is the picture of what it means to be human, then maybe the reason that you are feeling less than human this year is because there are things that are in your life that are inhuman that you are calling human. There is sin in your life that is unaddressed. And the weight of this season feels overwhelming in the face of it. Because Jesus has come, he has been born, he has died, and he has risen for me and I am feeling less than human because there is sin in my life. I am feeling less than human because I haven't fallen on my knees and confessed it. And if that's you this morning, please know you're not alone. There is sin in all of our lives. Some past, some present. We need only to remember that to be human is to confess it. That to be human is to fall on our knees before the Lord. To say, Jesus, it's here, and I need you to take it. 
See, when Jesus died that death and he reconciled us to our humanity, he died that we could be like him. He died that we didn't have to live with the constant pressure of sin in our lives. He died that we could overcome it. When Jesus overcame death, when he overcame sin, he, over, he overcame the biggest obstacle to us feeling human, that sin. So this morning, whether your answer to the first question or the second question is yes, I'm gonna be back at the, at the back of the room um, during this last worship song, and I would love to pray with you. Because this season is hard enough as it is. But man, it is made exponentially harder when you don't even feel human. When you can't muster the joy this year. When you carry a heavy weight on your shoulders this season. Let me help you shoulder some of that. Let Jesus take some of that.